The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. I'd like to call to order the uh, Committee of a Whole for March 28th. Uh, and will the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember Hussein? Councilmember Wood? Here. Councilmember Spadafore? Present. Councilmember Spitzley? Here. Councilmember Garza? Here. Councilmember Jackson? Present. Councilmember Brown? Here. Councilmember Daniels? Here. Seven members present. You have a quorum of the committee. Thank you. Um, with that, we uh, have the minutes for March 14th. Uh, Councilmember Spadafore. Madam President, I move the minutes from March 14, 2022. We have a motion on the minutes. Are there any questions? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes unanimously. Um, at this time, uh, we will take public comment on agenda items. If there's anyone in the public that would like to address the council, this is the time to come forward. If you would come up to the podium, if you'd give us um, your name for the record, and you will have three minutes. Thank you. Um, Randy Dykeis, uh, 418 North Sycamore, Lansing. And I'm here um, once again, uh, not the first time, and probably won't be the last, uh, but you're being asked to approve the reappointment of David Price to yet another term on BWL Board of Commissioners. In his application packet, you see what looks like an outstanding resume, and it is. He's got a long list of qualifications that might show him to be an outstanding choice. While his resume is lengthy with much admirable public service for which he is, for which he is to be commended, I submit that none of that qualifies him for another term on the BWL board. In fact, since Price's total initial appointment in 2011, 11 years ago, the board has demonstrated a remarkable lack of curiosity about management's action and has steadfastly refused to look into possible misconduct at BWL. During Price's tenure, the board has consistently declined to hold management accountable for malfeasance, deciding instead to act as shills and sycophants for whatever management wants. BWL has a long history of ignoring problems and potential legal activities until pushed to fix things by outside organizations. In 2017, it was the Sierra Club that forced BWL to comply with the Clean Air Act and begin the transition to renewable energy. It was not the board. Now we are in the midst of another public health crisis, and once again, the board is refusing to hold management accountable. Rather than launching a serious investigation after recent communication from the EPA and meticulous reporting in the City Pulse about groundwater contamination and, failing, and the failure to conduct required testing and, and elevated boron levels in nearby wells, not to mention potential threats to city water supplies, the board settles for a few puffball questions. Instead of bringing in outside experts who could shed light on the situation, the board under Price's leadership believes all that it is told by management. Furthermore, it was breathtaking to hear at the February Committee of the Hall meeting, one of Price's fellow commissioners called the board a dictatorship under his leadership. It's time to stop the dictatorship on the BWL board. It's time to have commissioners who will take seriously the board's responsibility to protect public health and hold management accountable. An appointment to any board or commission 
ought not to be a lifetime appointment. Yet, that is how you treat it. If any Board or Commission member wishes to serve another term, they are welcomed back with open arms. That needs to stop. You need to adopt a higher standard. 11 years as a commissioner is long enough. Lansing is a diverse community with many voices that ought to be heard as members of the BWL Board of Commissioners. It's up to you to make that happen. I implore you to use your confirmation power to vote no on this appointment. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to make public comment at this time? Seeing none, we will close public comment. The um, first item that we have before us is a resolution on the condemnation of Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, and I will turn that over to Councilmember Spadafore. Thank you, Madam President. Um, I would move the resolution before us, which um, enumerates the, the aggression from Russia against the people in the country of Ukraine and resolves that the City Council hereby strongly condemns the Russian invasion of Ukraine, denounces Vladimir Putin's year-long aggression against the sovereign country, and expressly supports Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. Further resolving that the Lansing City Council supports and encourages all efforts by the United States Administration, federally, statewide, and locally, to continue to impose sanctions upon Russia. And finally resolves that the Lansing City Clerk is directed to transmit copies of this resolution to President Biden and all the Michigan congressional members. Um, I did move the resolution, but turn it over. We have a, thank you, uh, Councilmember Spadafore. We have a motion on the resolution. Would anyone like to address this? Uh, Councilmember um, Jackson. Thank you. Um, even though symbolic, I will support this. We all pretty much watch. I know I've been very glued to the TV since it started. And it's horrible what we see and what we know is happening. And I can't even imagine having to make some of the decisions that those families make in Ukraine. Um, st staying the fight is one thing all the guys have to do. And then, then the people, other people try to flee or or do whatever they can, and it's um, it's scary, and um, I'll be supporting this. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other comments? Seeing none, we have a motion before us. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes unanimously. Thank you. Uh, the uh, next item on our agenda is a resolution for the reappointment of David Price for an at-large member of the Board of Water and Light for a term that will expire June 30th, 2026. Um, Mr. Price is in the audience. If he could come up to the table. And uh, Mr. Price, if you could make sure that the green light, good. We're, uh, we're good to go. Yep. All right. Uh, this is an opportunity uh, for council. We do have the um, application um, in front of us. Um, some of us on, on council have worked with Mr. Price over the years. Um, some of us are new on uh, council and have not had that opportunity. Um, so uh, we do have him here before us. So what we will do is ask Mr. Price to um, give us a few comments and then we'll open it up for questions from the council members. Well, thank you, uh, Vice President Wood. 
Uh, first of all, I want to thank the mayor, uh, Mayor Shore, for my reappointment, his confidence in me to continue uh, on the Board of Water and Light. Um, as we go forward at, in, into making the Board of Water and Light the utility of the future, there's a couple of things that, that I, I hope will be uh, on our agenda that I know will be on our agenda in the near future. Uh, the first thing I think of, we have to recognize Board of Water and Light has 100,000 electric, almost 100,000 electric customers. And as a commissioner, my first concern is affordability for those customers. We all know uh, what the pandemic uh, did to our, our citizens and those in the, in the Lansing region. I commend the Board of Water and Light for working with our customers who got behind in their payments, for actually holding uh, resource fairs to uh, help people in the community uh, to reach out and uh, find uh, opportunities for payment of their bills. Uh, and I think we, we have to make sure that the rates that we propose and pass as commissioners uh, are affordable rates for, for all our customers. That being said, another part of affordability that I, I've uh, talked with uh, General Manager Peffley about and other commissioners is uh, on-bill financing. As we move more toward uh, uh, solar panels and solar in the homes, as we want customers to be more efficient, the issue of funding those, those improvements is, is a huge issue for a lot of people. If, uh, and there are other utilities, uh, municipally owned utilities in the state that have been at this for a couple of years and we're looking to them, Holland is one, Traverse City is another, where uh, those improvements can be financed on their bill at, uh, at a very low interest rate or in maybe some cases uh, no interest rate. So those are two of the aspects, rates and, and, uh, uh, and on-bill financing that will help in the areas of affordability. Uh, reliability, in addition to the 100,000 um, electric customers, we have 60,000 water customers. And believe it or not, uh, and I don't think it surprises anybody, our infrastructure in water is, is an antique in many places. Uh, fortunately, we don't have any wood uh, pipes anymore. But uh, in the summer or in the wintertime, it's not unusual to have multiple uh, pipe breaks and, and water shutoffs. Um, BWL has made a commitment beginning next year to replace what normally would have been one mile of pipe a year to eight miles of pipe a year. This will be additional jobs uh, for, for union labor uh, at the BWL, and uh, we're excited about that, and that will increase the reliability of our water supply. Um, also for reliability, and this is an, uh, an issue that I know people don't like to talk about, and that's tree trimming. But if you look at what we've done over the last five years, and this was something after the ice storm that some people may not remember, we got blasted on multiple reports about lack of tree trimming, and that was a major contributing factor to the outages that occurred uh, during the ice storm. Um, so we have, we are up to uh, uh, our, our schedule. We'll continue now to our next five-year schedule. Um, I know it, sometimes customers are annoyed when their tree doesn't uh, look as pretty as it once did, but uh, th that's the reality of it. And if you look around us, when there's a major storm that goes through Michigan, 
look to the east, look to the west, and see what our competitors are dealing with, and then look at how many outages are the result of down power lines from trees in the Lansing area. So you see that that is, in fact, paying off. Sustainability. Sustainability uh, comes into a, a number of factors. The first one being uh, our, our coal-fired plant, which we originally looked to 2025 to shut down. We're now looking at the end of this year to be out of the coal business. And I think that's a huge, huge win for the, uh, the, the general uh, Lansing area. Also, we have committed to be carbon neutral by 2040. That means uh, I don't necessarily know how we're going to get there. I don't necessarily know that management knows how to get there. But that's a commitment that we will not back off. That will be a combination of things like uh, certainly renewable energy. It will mean battery storage, which isn't where we need it to be yet, but sometime in the future it will be. It could mean carbon capture. Uh, so, but by 2040, the BWL uh, will, be, will be carbon neutral. And the, the last thing I wanted to mention, and this I think is probably in everybody's mind, is BWL is a huge part of economic development in this region, as we saw with the new GM battery plant. BWL was at the table uh, with the governor, with the mayor, with the economic development people, and with General Motors, and was able to come up with a package to power that battery plant uh, to the point where GM brought it here. Uh, and not only does that mean the jobs, the new jobs going into the battery plant, but it also means saving existing jobs at Grand River and Delta. So I think BWL will, be con will continue to be an economic driver in this region, uh, and I think you're going to see even more uh, uh, manufacturing coming in as a result of the, the new battery plant. So I look forward to, to taking these ideas, discussing these ideas with my fellow board members, with the management of BWL, and I look forward to your vote tonight. Thank you, Mr. Price. Are there any questions from the uh, council members? Councilmember Jackson. Thank you, Mr. Price, for being here. And for anybody that doesn't know Mr. Price, he does a very great job with keeping the community informed. And uh, when people have questions about board, water, and light, he's usually the first person to answer it if he sees it. And I appreciate that, especially thank you. You, know, you being in the fourth ward where I represent. So thank you for that. Um, but you know this, um, I'm pretty much equal opportunity when it comes to the commissioners for reappointment now. And just a few questions. Um, do you guys talk about stranded assets? Do you know what it is? And do you talk about it? Has it been a discussion for any of the new bills or plans coming in? Certainly, because one of the things that we consider when you're, when you're building a new plan is what, the, what is the life expectancy of that plant? And is it, uh, will, it, uh, will new technology actually come in and make that uh, plant a stranded asset? Given uh, what we have now, I don't see that as being an issue. Well, you mentioned that board, water, and light plans would be carbon neutral by 2040. Correct. And wouldn't the not even finished natural gas plant take away from that carbon neutrality and it's expected to live longer than 2040? Well, the, the gas plant, the Delta plant, the is finished and is running. Okay. Um, and, and that life expectancy is 15 to 20 years. So in 15 years, uh, it'll be uh, capitalized. And certainly, uh, 
not, or not necessarily available. Now, that being said, when we talk about carbon neutrality, that doesn't necessarily mean fossil fuels are not, uh, are, couldn't still be in the mix if there are offsets and other things that uh, contribute to, to uh, carbon neutrality. Carbon neutrality doesn't mean 100 percent renewable. And just for my information, so one of the conversations in the past with board members was maybe people didn't have certain experiences or expertise. What type of continuing education do, do you and the board go through to stay up to date on these issues? I read all the time. Uh, I am, uh, have attended uh, American Public Power Association conferences and meetings, as, as my fellow board members do as well. So. Uh, people, people bring a lot of different skills to the table. I think uh, the wisdom of the charter is that there are no pre-qualifications for being a board member. People come in and they, they bring the skills that they have, uh, their ability to digest information, their ability to process, their ability to discuss, their ability to listen. All those things are critical to being a board member. Sure. And that's true. I know people don't necessarily have the experience and expertise, but that's why I asked about continuing education, and I appreciate that you stay up to date, and I wonder if your board does as well. I'm aware that they do. Is it mandatory? It's, it's strongly recommended uh, in our rules of procedure. And you mentioned tree trimming, and normally I leave this alone, except I get so many complaints. So you mentioned it, and I guess for the people out there, isn't it true that for one, that the tree trimming, how it is these, this last cycle, is due to lack of maintenance and tree trimming from previous years. There's no question about that, and we were cited on that at the ice storm, which is, uh, was now in 2014, so we're talking eight years ago. Uh, we are on five-year cycles for tree trimming, and we are on our second five, uh, completing our second five-year cycle as we, as we are now. Uh, tree trimming is always going to be a problematic issue. Google it, and you will see across the globe, well, I'll say not the globe, uh, but for certain across the United States, people are unhappy about the way their trees look. But unless or until we're able to uh, bury the lines, and, and that is so ridiculously expensive and presents additional problems when there's outages in terms of finding the outage, we're going to continue to trim the trees. And, and, and the, as they say, the proof of the pudding is that we don't have the outages as a result of that. So, And I guess last area. So do you have any like issue for people that are outspoken um, about, you know, whether it's renewable energy or anti-board water and life things, um, board water and light, like, dealings to the point where, I don't know, do you think, like, various opinions is a problem? Not to me. I'm open to all opinions. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Council Member Spadafore. Price, thanks for coming here tonight. Um, I want to echo some of the um, compliments that Councilmember Jackson pushed your put your way in terms of your responsiveness and your knowledgeability on the issues. Um, I have a couple questions uh, for you. Um, you talked about affordability and on-bill financing and things like that. Is the board looking at uh, more robust? This is not yet. I, I, this maybe is a question for our next joint meeting, but to put it in your head, when we talk about net metering and trying to reduce the, our community's reliance on um, 
fossil fuels and non-renewables. Is the board looking at maybe a little bit more aggressive ways to get folks to do their own power um, production? I, I think the board is assisted, uh, assistive if people want to do that. Um, and we will help point them in the right direction to the right contractors. You know, when you, in some ways, uh, home solar can, is, a, is a bit of a fad in some minds, and as a result, there can be some ripoffs uh, resulting in that, which is why we encourage our customers. And we certainly, you know, don't want uh, people not to have solar. That's, that's not at all. Even though if they put it on, we don't get to bill them for it, you know, run the meter backwards and all that. That's terrific. The more that we can help people do that, the better. But we certainly don't want people to get ripped off by unscrupulous contractors as well. So, uh, Is that something maybe th you just got the idea? Is that something that maybe the board could be a little bit more, and maybe you are, I just haven't noticed it, proactive on finding ways to engage folks with, with scrupulous Yeah, it's on contractors. our website, but, uh, you know, that's a, that's a passive thing. You have to go there. And, and I appreciate, and I'll, I'll bring that back to management, that uh, how can we be more aggressive on uh, helping people do that? Yeah. And then the other thing, if I could just follow up on the other thing, I think I thought about this uh, last night. When I think about how many of the citizens in Lansing use natural gas to heat their homes, how, what are we going to do with that as, we, as, a, as a city uh, and, and, and uh, transportation, which is just a huge, huge carbon emitter? So, I mean, obviously, energy generation is big. Those two things are even bigger. Uh, and, and, and will need to be addressed uh, if we're going to, as a region, attain carbon neutrality. Great. And you said um, the new Ericsson station's online? I'm sorry? The new gas plant at Ericsson's online? I, I'm sorry. The new, the new gas plant is fully operational? Yes, uh, oh. Delta is. We will probably have uh, a, a ribbon-cutting grand opening uh, as well, this is supposed to be spring, but uh, when it actually, uh, Michigan spring arrives, we'll, uh, everyone will be invited out for that, I'm sure. Very good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Are there other questions by council members? Um, I have a, a few for you, okay. uh, Mr. Price. You've been in uh, leadership for the board for uh, a number of years. Um, what have you done as a leader dealing with uh, training for the board um, as an employer. You're an employer for your corporate secretary, for your internal auditor, dealing with sexual harassment or bullying. Um, can you explain um, what type of training you've done as a board for those and how you've addressed issues that have come forward because of those? I must say we haven't done uh, uh, training on, on bullying. We have done training on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and, and that was an extensive uh, training that was done. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't able to be done in person because of COVID at the time. But all members of the board uh, attended that. It was conducted by an attorney from Detroit uh, who uh, reviewed our policies. And then uh, it was actually an incredible eye-opening experience, I think, for all the board members. So when there was a complaint that you were given dealing with sexual harassment, you did not look into, or harassment, you did not look into any training? I think we had to be careful because as you, as you suggested, the sexual harassment, uh, we have three employees. The sexual harassment that was alleged was not against one of our employees. We do not have authority beyond that. We hire 
three our three employees to carry out our our duties, and that came under the general manager's authority. No, the the complaint I'm talking about that that came from the corporate secretary back in um, September of 2020. That that was not sexual harassment. It was it was uh, harassment, and that's what led to the diversity, equity, and and inclusion training. So you've had none until then. Correct. And have you done anything about having a policy that you would have one annually or anything like that to, to make sure that the commissioners are reminded on a regular basis how to conduct themselves? I think that's an excellent suggestion. I'm, I'm just a little bit saddened that it isn't something that you wouldn't have considered important enough to deal with on a regular basis? It is important, it's critically important. I think uh, sometimes when you'd go for a long time and not have anything, and when you only have one employee, or I mean, sorry, three employees, it's a little different uh, being a board of eight to be that collective employer. So uh, I, well, I appreciate- we're here. I know we're an employee, you know, there's eight of us and yeah. we have three employees and we do an annual training and have well, been doing it. And, and I take that suggestion seriously and I will run it by the commissioners. So your equity, diversity and inclusion, is that something you're going to do on an annual basis? I think so. We didn't commit to it, but it's, you know, we only have so many time, many times that we can meet and of course, None of my fellow commissioners are paid, so it's, it's difficult to get everybody on the same page to, to conduct those kinds of trainings. I understand that you're not paid, but I think when you look at the fact that you oversee a multi-million dollar business and what happens at the top filters down all the way down to the line person on the line, knowing that the people at the top are having this type of training and taking it seriously means that the people that are um, working on the line will also take the situation seriously. I appreciate that. Are there any other comments? Yes, Councilmember Daniels. Thank you. Um, actually, I'm wondering if you can speak to the preparation um, as far as uh, protections against uh, cyber attacks uh, in regards to the Russia situation, saying that you know energy companies are a target for that. Certainly, um, I, I'm not in a position to discuss it, but I, what I do know is that uh, it is. It is monitored all the time uh, by our, our IT department. And uh, indeed, we've been told that since the Ukrainian inv invasion, it has been ramped up dramatically uh, many, many times daily. And we are constantly fighting that. It, it, is, it is a high priority within the BWL, for sure. All right, thank you. Are there any other questions? Seeing none, Councilmember Spadaford. I would move the 
I would move the resolution reappointing David Price as an at-large member of the Board of Water and Light with the term expiring June 30th, 2026. We have a motion before the board. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed, nay. Yes. Is your mic on? Okay. Yep. Uh, I didn't want to say anything while you were undergoing the interview here, but I, the city attorney is responsible for their legal affairs, including those of the Board of Water and Light. We have an assistant city attorney who is in-house at the um, Board of Water and Light. I have been attending the committee of the whole meetings and also the uh, Board of Commissioners meetings and have had a chance now to observe their activities and the debate. <clears throat> My finding both the chair and the vice chair run the um, board in a very businesslike manner. I saw no evidence of stifling debate. There were heated debates but they were resolved. Um, there's an open discussion about many items at the board and there was nothing that leads me to be concerned or to report back to this council that there's an issue there. The board has recently debated their rules of governance and their rules of procedure and those are coming here for your review to, uh, under the charter. So I just wanted to pass that on but I didn't want to say anything before you had your vote on the chair. Councilmember Spitzley. Thank you, Madam Vice Chair. I guess, um, <clears throat> first of all, I, I think it would have been helpful if that information would have, would have um, been shared, but I, I guess I'm, I'm a little confused and concerned as to why we even need to know that. I mean, I, 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 the question and the concern is about sexual harassment and, or, or harassment and whether or not they've put pro proper policies and procedures in place. I heard nothing that said that they had done that at all. Um, and so, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I it, it was just a little, I was just a little surprised. Okay, thank you. All right, uh, thank you, Mr. Price. That um, takes us on to um, our next item, which is setting a public hearing for an ordinance amending chapter 1300, section 1300 1300.7, 1300.10, 1300.11, medical marijuana. I believe we have the clerk, Mr. Fidewa, and I see Amanda, who is the guru on our um, medical marijuana ordinance. She can either move to the mayor's um, seat or to the clerk. To th you can. There's there's one next to Brian that's open, and there's. <clears throat> Okay, it is my understanding that the uh, amendment for the ordinance that we have in front of us 
uh, came from the clerk's office. And so with that, I would open it up to Chris Swope, um, our city clerk, to explain to us his recommendations for changes in the ordinance. You do have that in your packet, um, along with some maps um, to take a look at. And so with that, I'll open it up. And after he has an explanation, um, if we could have um, Mr. Fidoa explain um, the zoning um, portion of it, and then we'll open it up for questions. Mr. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam President. Um, I do appreciate this, and it's uh, timely that we're discussing this right now. We just got news at the end of last week from the state that uh, we received a little bit over $900,000 in revenue sharing based on the number of um, provisioning centers that we had open as of September 30th of last year. So uh, as I've said before, um, you know, this is an industry uh, that is providing improvements in city infrastructure, uh, city buildings, as well as providing jobs for Lansing citizens um, and uh, revenue to the city, as well as uh, the administrative expense of the licensing process is uh, predominantly covered by the licensing fees. So um, all in all, uh, financial net benefit to the city. Um, I did uh, ask uh, for this ordinance to be put together um, primarily because a little over a year ago, um, this body adopted a new zoning code that uh, made all of the zoning categories that were allowable for marijuana non-existent anymore as there were no uh, existing, uh, the, all of the existing zoning classifications were erased and replaced with a whole different systems system of, um, of zoning. So uh, we have started developing issues uh, where uh, we have businesses that um, uh, provisioning centers where they have discovered that their location isn't ideal and would like to move and yet because there's no zoning classification where they can move to, uh, they're running into issues. Uh, we have been approached by several processors um, and if you recall, uh, processors are facilities that the city council de decided not to put a limit on, um, but we've ha been approached by some that want to apply and can't apply because there's no zoning classification uh, where they qualify. Um, so um, we did ask for this to uh, be, for the marijuana ordinance to be updated to accommodate the uh, form-based zoning code. And then one other, uh, issue is uh, all of our approvals were uh, conditional upon them receiving uh, state license and as well as their final build outs. Um, and uh, the ordinance didn't really have a mechanism. Uh, we, we have been successful in um, either pushing them along or, or getting them to uh, uh, forfeit their license to revoke their license, uh, but we did want to have it more clearly in the ordinance that if they do not get that licensure, that we have the ability to to revoke their license based on that. So, um, you know, I, I hope you'll uh, take a look at this. There, there are some issues that are going to be created um, where uh, previous zoning classifications, uh, the new zoning classification that replace it, doesn't exactly line up, and based on 
Um, I'm, I'm not a zoning expert, that's why Andy's here. Um, but there are going to end up being some um, non-conforming non previous existing uses based on uh, what came out of the planning board. Um, we also are gonna have some situations where, um, uh, for example, some grows uh, in, uh, some existing grows that also have co-located processors um, the processor is uh, non-conforming previous existing use, but there will be grows in the exact same zoning classifications that won't be able to add processors uh, to that location. So uh, just a couple of things to note on the, on the zoning side um, of, of this issue. And uh, with that, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Uh, Councilmember Spitzley, I saw a question. Did you want to wait for Mr. Fidawa to explain the zoning portion of it, or do you want to question? Sure, absolutely. Thank you, Madam President, Madam Vice President. Um, I just have a couple questions, and then I'll listen to the zoning. So, for the non-conforming uses, the potential non—are they grandfathered in, or so they will be grant? They just can't expand. Band. Is that what you're saying? They well, they can't add any different license types. So yeah. if they have, um, if they're a grow, they I believe, and uh, Mr. Fedewa could correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they could add additional grow licenses, right. but they couldn't add a okay. processor license if that's not allowed in in the current zone. All right, and then my last question um, before we start with the zoning is, um, will this um, will this new um, ordinance um, result in increased availability of licenses for uh, any category no, no. Uh, the 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 um, current ordinance caps the uh, retail type facilities at 28 we have 28 approved uh, caps the um, um, consumption facilities at four we have four approved although zero are operating at caps the micro businesses at four, uh, all are approved and none are operating, although three of those would uh, be um, in uh, non-conforming prior existing uses, so able to continue in, in that space. Um, and if you recall, um, the uh, ordinance allowed 75 grow locations uh, up until December 31st of 21. 2020, and then that dropped down to 55. So we are at maximum locations for grows and will not be adding any grows. Uh, we don't, there is, the ordinance does not have a, a maximum on the um, processor locations or the secure transport or testing. I appreciate that. I, I figured that was the answer, but if I just, if I'm asking the question, somebody out mm -hmm. there is probably asking the same question, so I appreciate you. No. But, it, but it does, there are some that, are finding their current space is not really working and would like to move an existing license of a provisioning center. Uh, and in fact, one of the ones that wants to move um, there right now, they're now in a non-conforming prior existing use and they wanna move out of that into something that would now meet the code. So, you know, we're just kind of at this crux of-, of I understand, thank you. Councilmember Garza. Thank you, Council President. Just two two questions. So the non-conforming, I think uh, Councilwoman Spitzley said it, but um, are any of those going to be within the 500 or 1,000 foot rule? 
far as like churches or daycare? Uh, no, that was evaluated at the time. So that that Not hasn't changed. That wouldn't change. It's 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 just the fact uh, that the zoning classification that they are that where they are located in has been changed to would no longer allow the addition of their type of business. Okay, thanks, thanks for the clarification on that. And now my, my second question is, you said you have the four approved consumption sites. Are you able, are you at liberty with, to say where those are at? Um, yes, they're on our website. We have a full list of all the approved locations you on mind, our website. I mean, there's four, but, you mind hmm? telling, telling it, us on, on public record? I, I, yeah, I know it's one per ward. Um, Jennifer's, and by the way, this is Jennifer Smith-Zandy. She's the licensing expert, so she's the one that um, they use well, all these licenses. So I, I heard rumors but, a while ago, since I'm southeast, you know, ward representative of Ward 2, that potentially deja vu was one. And so I've, there's a lot of people asking me, so I'm just wondering if that is, in fact, one of them. Uh, the second ward consumption facility is at 134 East Edgewood. Uh, That's not. The first ward is 415 Baker. Um, the third ward is 6289 South Martin Luther King, and uh, 6289, 6289 South Martin Luther King. That's at the intersection of Edgewood. Um, and then the fourth ward is 600 South Capitol. Thank you. Okay. With that, Mr. Fidoa, if you would explain the um, difference between the form-based and, and uh, the zoning that we currently, well, we're not currently under, we're under. Yes. So as uh, Clerk Swope uh, stated, uh, there is not a one-to-one -one match between the old zoning and the new zoning. But by and large, if something was commercial, it is some type of commercial under the new code. And if it was un industrial under the old code, it's industrial under the new code with just a different name. There are two things that I wanted to draw attention to, but before I say that, I want to say, I think uh, Clerk Swope had it backward. If a, if a GROW wanted to add a transport, they could do that as proposed. It, would, it wouldn't, just, wouldn't be true the other way around. If they were a transport and wanted to uh, add a GROW in DT2 as proposed, they wouldn't be able to do that. GROWs are confined just to um, industrial as proposed. So that's one thing. Uh, the f second thing I wanted to mention was um, for grows, if I can uh, bring your attention to that map, um, just says form-based code and marijuana grows. Uh, the old zoning, light industrial and heavy industrial are marked by uh, gray and dark gray lines. You will see a vast area um, east of the downtown core that was industrial but it is now what we call DT2, Urban Flex. Uh, that was a, a conscious decision, um, recognizing that when the old code was written in 1983, um, the city was doing everything possible to keep industrial in the city, uh, especially where it developed um, early in the 20th century in the east of downtown. Uh, but recognizing that those industrial uses are gone for the most part, and they're not coming back, and we just haven't seen the interest, and that's why we see a lot of uh, vacant parcels east of downtown. Uh, that's why we created that urban flex zone, DT2, to kind of shift from industrial to um, retail services, uh, entertainment, more active urban uses. Uh, and a foot, footnote on that thought is we see kind of um, 
maybe not the best results of the grows that did move in, particularly on East Kalamazoo. Uh, these are the businesses that moved in and they wanted uh, um, uh, barbed wire fences, they blocked up windows, uh, they didn't paint the building, they didn't really add any um, uh, uh, aesthetic uh, components to their building. And I just don't, planning and zoning staff just didn't feel that that was proper for the, this downtown two zone. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention goes to um, the provisioning centers and retailers map that shows the commercial zoning of the former one. And I, I apologize on my map, I did not label F and F1. That is commercial under the old zone or zoning code. Uh, you'll see green outlines kind of on our urban, uh, or excuse me, our uh, corridor intersections. Um, so along Mount Hope, uh, Waverly, uh, Miller, uh, Kavanaugh, um, these kind of intersections were made MX1, which is a neighborhood-focused commercial district. And we made a conscious decision to not include that with this proposed code because we're really looking for those neighborhood-focused uh, amenities and commercial and service businesses rather than um, a marijuana dispense, or excuse me, provisioning center or retailer. Uh, and so that's why you're gonna see an outline without a uh, color inside it. So those ones were left off. Council member um, Spadafor. And I, there was an answer given to this question when we were passing form-based code, but I don't remember why. Uh, so why did we exclude updates to the marijuana ordinance when we passed through form-based code? Just, was that more of a political calculation or? It was kind of a tactical uh, decision to kind of separate them because there's a lot of um, uh, unknowns or misinformation about the marijuana businesses and we just kind of wanted to focus on the form-based code and okay. updating this for almost 40-year-old zoning code. Okay, thank you. Other questions? Patricia, or Councilmember Spitzley, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine, Madam Vice President. So you talk about <clears throat> I'm sorry. You talk about the two areas um, that you highlighted and um, that you made a conscious decision not to include marijuana in those categories. Without your conscious decision, would they have met would they have been would they have met the qualifications to be in those categories? I don't think so based on, because this is an extension from the comprehensive master plan that did have community input and had a lot of uh, public participation, that these kind of inter uh, intersection nodes really wanted to focus on those neighborhood businesses. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, and we discussed this with planning board as well, and they felt they agreed with us that these kind of uh, marijuana businesses didn't quite meet the um, what we felt was a threshold for neighborhood businesses and services. It sounds, it sounds subjective. Understood. And, and this is a draft and a proposal from our planning and zoning staff. If city council feels differently. Uh, I, I don't, it's not that I feel differently. I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to understand what the thought process is. And so if someone wants to challenge it, I want to make sure that we have the best argument possible to 
justify the decision, and it sounds subjective. Understood. Um, in our um, form-based code um, uh, intents and purposes and allowable uses, they're more focused on um, neighborhood services like your local barber or laundromat or um, mom and pop grocery stores, that kind of um, focus. Councilmember Spitzley, maybe your question is better asked to um, uh, the attorney, Amanda Boyle, um, whether when she reviewed this. Yeah, um, yeah. I just want to make sure. Because Amanda is, yeah. you know, has been very I just want to make sure that we're able to withstand a challenge to that. If somebody, you know, if, if somebody chooses or would choose to challenge that designation and that reasoning, do we have, you know, and, I, and you know I know that anybody can challenge anything. I get that, Amanda. But, the, you know, but you, you understand what I'm saying is that it, it just, to me, when I hear it, it just, it, it sounds like there's not, um, it, sound, it sounds subjective. And make sure that, thank I'll you. start with the, the proposal pending before the city council today is a one for one to the best of the ability that the city attorney could draft, understanding that many of the old zoning designations now have a few different types that are compatible. Uh, so that is presented for your consideration. The recommendation from the planning board was to remove one subgroup, DT2, from the list of zoning designations as it related specifically to safety compliance, processors, and secure transport only. And that, from their perspective, they're looking long-term. The zoning code is an evolving subject, and the zoning administrator, part of her responsibilities is to say, where is our city evolving and moving towards? And it, her perspective is we're moving away from industrial, we're moving more towards retail, service, industry, and that particular identified designation of DT2 is where they think that those transitional properties are located. So it could be defensible um, to adopt it with that modification, understanding that one zoning designation doesn't mean you don't have a guaranteed right that that's how your property is going to be zoned forever. Uh, there could be certainly legal challenges to that. I think from our perspective, the best option is to have something where you're not going to have a lot of licenses that fall into uh, one-off spots where they're pre-existing non-conforming. We're trying to be cohesive in updating to form-based code. So that is what we, at the city clerk's request, tried to present to you guys. All right, thank, thank you. I'm, I'm done, but thank you. All right. Are there any other questions? Seeing none, uh, Councilmember Spadafore. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. I would like to move the resolution setting the public hearing uh, for ordinance chapter. 13, section 1300.07.10.11 for the purposes of updating the ordinance to reflect the changes in law and rules resulting from the adoption of the form-based zoning code 
And uh, note that the hearing will be set for Monday, April 25th, 2020, five days late for the appropriate holiday. 2022, excuse me. Okay, we have a motion before us, and that is, uh, again, according to the ordinance that is in your packet. With that, are there any other questions? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Passes unanimously. Thank you. Um, our next um, item is a uh, closed session, and I would um, um, recognize uh, Councilmember Spadafore. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, pursuant to MCL 15.268 sub E, I hereby move that we recess into closed session to consult with the city attorney in connection with the following specific pending litigation. An open meeting will have a detrimental financial effect on the litigating or settlement position of the city of Lansing concerning these cases. Settle down, everyone. Atkinson et al. v. City of Lansing et al. Burwell v. City of Lansing et al. Calkins Darling v. City of Lansing et al. Career Quest Learning Centers Inc. and Little Rainbows LLC v. Lansing City Treasurer et al. Chen v. City of Lansing et al. City of Lansing v. OCOF Nonprofit Housing Corp. City of Lansing et al. v. Purdue Pharma et al. Fire Farm LLC v. City of Lansing. Freeman v. City of Lansing. Hardy v. City of Lansing et al. Hulan v. City of Lansing et al. Jackson and Lansing Railroad Company v. City of Lansing. Joseph v. City of Lansing, Lynn v. City of Lansing, Lynn v. Mayor Shore et al., Michigan Basic Property Insurance Associates v. City of Lansing, New Residential Mortgage LLC v. Mao Chowlin et al., OPV Partners LLC and Resco LLC v. City of Lansing, Overstrom v. City of Lansing, Reed v. City of Lansing et al., Stafford v. Klein and City of Lansing, Taylor v. City of Lansing et al., Williams v. City of Lansing, and finally, McLaren v. City of Lansing. All right, we have a motion uh, before us. This is a roll call vote. Um, Bohoke? Council Member Spadafore? Yes. Council Member Spitzley? Yes. Council Member Daniels? Yes. Council Member Garza? Yes. Council Member Jackson? Yes. Council Member Brown? Yes. Council Member Wood? Yes. Motion carries 6 1. Um, we are now in recess. We will be coming back um, after we are done and adjourning um, and then moving into our council meeting. Uh, we're calling to back to order the Committee of a Whole. At this time, uh, the Committee of a Whole will be adjourning, and in five minutes, we will start the council meeting. We are adjourned. <laughs>